yeah, it's been 15 years in the sport. from South Africa and Killian Jornet from Spain in the studio. Success, wins, podiums, accolades, records. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Sands. And there you have it, Mentor. My next guest, Ryan Sands and his lucky mama, Danny Frankie. Although we were actually in Ryan's house for this chat, so I suppose I'm the guest. But whichever way you look at it, Ryan is one of the world's greatest trail runners, man. So, which is like normal running, but they obviously hate themselves, so they just want to make a thing that's already hard, even harder for themselves. He's won races on pretty much every continent, including Antarctica. And just like me, he's from South Africa. But you're about to learn that this is not the only thing that Ryan and I have in common, eh? Apart from both being born South African, we discovered a lot of coincidences during our chat, man. So one of these, which some of you may not know about me, is that like Ryan, I am also a runner. Ryan, I actually, um, it's quite a, um, what is a to fall in English? Coincidence that we're doing this today because I did a 21 this morning. That's the peninsula. Okay, peninsula 21 this morning. Wow. <laughs> so I thought, is it going to be cock embarrassing because I ran my PB. Nice. What time was it? I, 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 this is <laughs> yeah. what I'm getting to because I felt on the way here. I have to tell you my PB and then ask you what your PB is. But you run so cock far. You do like 250Ks. What's the furthest you've done? Like uh, 1,600 kilometers. But that was over like 26 days. And okay. And you're running then every day? Yeah, we ran across the Himalayas. When I say we, I ran with a, with a friend of mine, uh, Reina Hrissel. Um, and it was at so quite you, high you altitude. you just have a friend that can also run 1,600 kilometers. Yeah, because I can't navigate. So <laughs> he was he was in charge of of, of navigating. What? <laughs> but I, I guess it's all, all relative. So do you even still like do a 21 now and then? Or yeah. is that like, because for me, like I won't go do a, f a five kilometer fun run anymore. Yes. I'm like, listen, I do half marathons now, minimum That's 10. Is like a 21 a fun run to you? now it must be yeah i did 22 or 23 k's this morning um but that, <laughs> that was out in the, in, in the mountains so it was a little how do you more. do it in the mountains <laughs> so what's your pb on a road running 21 i think it's about 71 minutes or 72 as i said i haven't really actually done too many um road, road races. so, so oh, that's on, that's an on. hour 12 minutes yeah come on wasn't there. too bad mean so i'm gonna i'm gonna share mine publicly cool. on this podcast it was hour 43 minutes wow that's that's, that's a impressive that's a sub five a kilometer yeah. and, and uh, when game. i was doing um running in school always it was like you know anything under five minutes a kilometer is like a lack of pace so that's i was quite game. proud of it this morning but okay it was a very flat route and we are at sea level were you using carbon shoes no i was okay. just techies must try carbon shoes maybe you take a that couple more heavy. minutes off 
<laughs> What's a carbon shoe? They've got like carbon plates in them. So all the top uh, road runners use them now. There's like a lot of debate because it has taken quite a bit of time. But off. is it heavy or what? No, because it's carbon, it's actually quite quite lightweight. It's not the most comfortable shoe, but yeah. if you're trying to go fast, it it helps. Okay. And I'm, do, I'm doing my first marathon in on the 8th of July, the Nasna okay. Marathon. Cool. Have you done it? Yeah, that's actually where I started started running. Was the, you, the you, yeah, that's because I, I heard a rumor about it and then I thought that's the second coincidence of this. But okay, well, I'm talking <laughs> about, about to you too much already. Cool. Um, I want to talk to... No, but congratulations. My daughter the ran this morning. Cape everybody Peninsula says as well. yes, but everybody says I don't don't even know that I've had a, has, have a daughter because of him. Yes. So she's very complex. So I must say she ran this morning and she did three hours ten. Okay. So that's when you won or marathon? Marathon. That's fast. Yeah, eh? no, no, she was the eighth lady home. Okay. So just so that's on So Shane, do you also at least make so a banner Shane. for her? Or are you yeah. like, listen, no, it wasn't it wasn't get, the Himalayas, <laughs> but No, but I did get out of bed at four o'clock this morning and take her to the race. Okay. Mm. That's very nice of you. Yeah. So where does the if if you weren't really a runner, where does the love for running come from? Definitely. In your, because your, you saw from the formative years. The most I ever did was a 10 kilometer. Mm -hmm. And that was to impress his father. Um, his father was a runner. Okay. That's yeah. where. He okay. would stop halfway and have a cigarette, but he was a runner. <laughs> There's a guy actually in my running club that told me um, <laughs> he gets in trouble, but we, he does the comrades and he will like sometimes uh, stop. His rule is. He says for every 10 kilometers, you can have a cigarette. Yo, sis. He's like, no. for every 10 kilometers he runs, he allows himself a cigarette. He's like, because that definitely cancels each other out. So he will run, but it's very frowned upon, he says, at the comrades, because that's now like, oh. Um, he goes there and then he'll run and he'll just ask, like, ask the people on the side, cigarette anyone? <laughs> and someone <laughs> gives him a drag. And he says, the first thing he does, he has someone waiting for him at the finish line with a beer, with a black label and a cigarette. And as he finishes, the person hands him mm -mm. the black label, the cigarette, and he stands and he poses and he has yeah. a cigarette and a black label. But I mean, Fork, I think you deserve That's that when you finish yeah. the comrades. Yeah. I think you deserve to like, Fork, and take a line of coke <laughs> off your medal if you want to, if you finish the comrades. If I'd ever seen him with a cigarette in his hand, I would have broken his hands and his fingers. Because really? I was literally a junkie of note and I was determined with that cigarettes. my kids, yeah. 60 cigarettes a day stuff, no problem. 60? Three boxer. 60 what cigarettes. What did you smoke? Today. What cigarettes? Um, Chesterfield Lights. Okay. I, I started off light. with Texan and then Chesterfield. Okay. And then I went to Benson and Hedges. Okay. So I did calm down over the years. But still, I just, I was determined my kids would never smoke. Is that and true? And neither Ryan, of them never smoked? ever smoked. No, it's actually one thing I've, I've stayed, stayed away from. Nothing. Not even at like a house school, house party, took a drag. Just I to... think it's yeah, school and university days maybe when you you're did? kind of very very drunk. You'd have, yeah. you have a cigarette or two. Yeah, yeah. No, this is but news to me. As far as I know, none of them ever really did drugs. No snorting, nothing. Yeah. So I'm very pleased. Huge accomplishment. Yeah, that is To huge. bring a child up in Cape Town. Especially and... in Cape Town, yeah. yeah. Let's see. They like Empty. a dweller, yeah. Hmm? <laughs> they like a dweller, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 I know. That's why I was actually, I'm, I'm, I might actually bring my child up in Kempton Park, you know. The worst thing you have <laughs> so, to be afraid of is Brannavane, but there's not really a lot of MDMA going around in Kempton Park. <laughs> no, Nordic is still liquor and then you just get them a pony or something. 
<laughs> That's the drug, yes. yeah. <laughs> Ponies. Yeah. So Mentor Ryan may have ridden a pony, but he never smoked. And he didn't do drugs or anything, or so he says. But you know what else he never did? He never ran. Now Mentor, he didn't start running until the age of 24. In a lot of sports, you start thinking of retirement at 24, but the only thing that Ryan wanted to retire from was his 9 to 5 as a quantity surveyor. And as his mom Frankie says, counting bricks is cockboarding. And so one day Ryan entered the Neisner Marathon. Now legend has it that he did it on a drunken bed with no training whatsoever. Yeah, I studied it at UCT and I had a bunch of mates um, running the half marathon um, mm-hmm. and I always used to go up to Neisner just to have a party and yeah. I thought doing my honours I needed to be a bit more responsible so I thought let me let me join them but I only decided to enter the half like two or three weeks out and entries had, had closed up so I guess being a, a student and pretty naive I was like half marathon full marathon same same so I couldn't. Yeah, so, so the entries so, were still open for the full. For, so the entries opened for the full. Was, so I was like, let okay. me let, let me run that, and I entered, and all my mates laughed at me. Um, I didn't know if I was gonna gonna finish it, but yeah, I did, and I think that's where we're kind of the the running bug. But did you finish well that day, or I did like three? I think it was like three hours, twelve minutes or so. So not like I didn't didn't win, fast. but it wasn't. Yeah, not bad. It wasn't too yeah too bad. So. Okay, so, so I'm assuming in school he wasn't doing long distance running if he no, was a flank. not at all. Yeah. Not at all. In fact, if anything, he took up drinking alcohol mm. at the Neisner Marathon and ran. He ran like a little bushman with his bum out. His son has also got the same little big bum. <laughs> little big bum. It seems to have disappeared a bit now. You know, he's a lot when, when he got to the trial line, he would just He was on. never a fat kid or anything. He wasn't a fat child, but... Not like he's fat like his mother, but he 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 ran very awkwardly, like a bushman, yeah. you know, with a bum out behind. Yeah, like a and duck. And then running forward. Well, no, worse than a duck. <laughs> a duck would have been acceptable. This <laughs> looked like this little bum ran behind him. Yeah. Yeah, he was the cutest thing ever. But he played Sachs first team. Yes, no, he did. What position did you play, Ryan? I played flank. So flank. I, was a bit, I was a bit big at school. I was always trying to like eat tons and, and put on weight. Uh, Tony Frankie, when he started actually now like really doing it professionally, what was what was your thoughts? Were you like, wow, he's making money from this? He's like a pro athlete. Well, somebody phoned me from the Cape Times, wow, and um, said they wanted to speak to him. And my first thought was, whatever for, and um, not for quantity surveying, <laughs> no, 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 or not because the mother was so fantastic. <laughs> It was, um, they were all talking about this South African had won this race. Which race was it again? Not the Gobi? That was the, probably the Gobi Desert or the, the Sahara. What's the Gobi? Was it probably not? was the And how the Gobi. far was that? That was 250 kilometers. That was the first big, big race I, I did. Actually. And he yeah, was the yeah. first South African, obviously, to win it. Mm. And you won it, I mean, it's people from all over the world, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's yeah. part of like a four desert series. So it's like these four races across like yeah. four of the the major deserts. So that mean, was nobody like the expected first... him to win. We just expected him to go and shame, you know, have a nice time, having a run. Shame, enjoy the Mommy desert. lent him a suitcase. Take lots of pictures, bring yeah. me a Coke bottle I don't think he even sand. had a big suitcase. And then um, <laughs> off he went. 
Yeah, I actually didn't know where the Gobi Desert was when I when I entered. I was just <laughs> about to ask you, where's the Gobi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in, in China, but actually quite... I'm shocking with 30 seconds. Yeah. When people will be like, the desert in China? I'm like, fuck, don't no, ask me that. I'm next dude, one, next I one. I understand, I'm geographically challenged. <laughs> so you got good fast. Nah, yeah, it did it, happen it, it must, quite It must quickly. just be then a very natural... Like your, your body is made to, to do it. Yeah, I think like for Nyers in a marathon, I definitely kind of winged it. Um, yeah. But after that, um, I did a couple of local trail races um, and then entered the, the Gobi Desert. And literally that was just, I Googled a, on a, on a, on um, internet, I just Googled extreme trail races and I popped this Four Deserts website and I thought, cool, the next one's the, the Gobi Desert and asked my dad for an interest-free loan and kind of the rest is, is history. So with the Gobi Desert title in the bag, Ryan started to gain international recognition and he would go on to win some of the toughest and longest trail races in the world. Now Mensa, I just have to highlight how fucking crazy these races are. We all know the comrades. So let's use this as the baseline, okay? So comrades, 100 kilometers from Durban to Peter Maritzburg on the road, okay? That's already cockfire and it's a massive achievement to finish it. But Ryan is running, firstly, a 100-mile race or 100-mile races. So that's 160 kilometers and it's over fucking mountains. Means that you are jumping over rocks and dussies, which is like a, a moving rock. Imagine you get to the finish line of the Comrades and they say to you, now turn around and run back to Durban, but this time you go over the Drakensberg, please. Fuck, man, it's crazy. And what's even more crazy is that this guy from Cape Town, who had never run before, just wins everything he enters. How is that possible? Or maybe he's just supernatural. When he first started, Tim Noakes did a whole lot of tests on him and they took his blood and they did I this. I think he got paid for that, that as well, at least, Ryan. You know, no, people they get just wanted paid to, see to donate to blood and sperm they and just all kinds of stuff. You're just donating your body to science for <laughs> <Exactly>. free. <laughs> they no. wanted to see what he was made of. Why? Why did he keep winning these races? Why? Yeah. And was there anything special about him physically? No, there wasn't. It was the head. Really? He's a headbanger like his mother. That's where he gets that part of it from. Rock and roller. He might get the physical part from his dad, but mm. the mindset is basically, you know, you want something, you get it. Yeah. And you just go. But now, okay, that's wonderful. And how was the, okay, so did you eventually, did they eventually, nothing weird in your body? It's all in the head, you, you Yeah, so I did some testing with like your internal, internal thermometer. So like it did take a, like, so that, did think like maybe um, I could handle heat or cold, but better. But I do think a lot of it's mental. So I, I, actually, the testing I did again. I said it. Salomon like ran in a giant fridge at the sports science. They actually ran in like a single garage where they it's an environmental chamber. They could make it super super hot. Then they put like a big fan in there and a treadmill. So like you run in fifty sixty degree temperatures. Um, but that was good training for. Like the Sahara Desert race oh, I did. The only so. unusual thing about him as a kid is he never ran a temperature in his life. I didn't know such a thing. I had friends of mine with children that they'd have to stick them in cold baths when they got fevers. 
He never ran a temperature. That's the only a, thing. Maybe there is a thing. Maybe you like golf lizard. But apart from could, that. Could be. I'm feeling a bit like a lizard these days. <laughs> Look, he wasn't, he wasn't one of those kids who couldn't do anything. He was just terribly average at everything. He would play <laughs> tennis. He could play tennis. He rode a horse. So Out everything he did, it was just summer normal, and he hated that. He yeah. wanted to be no, I the think best. I did lose one of my toes in the skateboard. Yeah, Didn't almost. And then if he was that kid that when you left a birthday party as a little boy, if he didn't win a prize… He would go hysterical. So I used to get so embarrassed, I used to put a prize in the car, in the cubbyhole. This is so, <laughs> listen. Danny so Frank, that I, I say, you, to. your prize is in the car. And that's how I used to get him out the party without embarrassing myself completely. Have, this is the weirdest podcast because we're talking about all these coincidences in, in my running career. And you were just so similar to Ryan's. My mom used to do exactly the same. Yes. She would have to take, I was so upset Okay, but I'm an only child, so I don't know what your excuse is, Ryan. But like, I used to get so upset seeing another kid just get presents that my mom would take like a mini present in a handbag and sort of slip it to me under the table like a drug deal to be like, don't worry, here's a little Lego for you as well. Stop crying. I'm actually so embarrassed telling that story. Um, so what do you, th if you say it's mental, like what do you actually think about? Like, what do you... You know, can you explain it practically or is it one of those sort of like... I remember back at my first 100 miler, the Leadville 100. At the race briefing, the race founder, Ken Clover, said before we started the race... The, the, the biggest dis distance to conquer in this race is five inches. Five inches between your ears. That's something I've always remembered and learned really quickly that your body can only take you so far. I think it's like a combo because like I guess like the hardest part is probably all the all the training you gotta do. So like I remember early days of, of running, I used to run on Table Mountain and look back at my, my offices where I was working or kind of when I just left my job and I was like, flip, I'll run up here for eight hours a day. I just never want to go back to, to working a, a nine to, to five. And I, th I think where, where that goes is just like really enjoying what you enjoying what you do. Um, so you still love it, though, when you did your 23 this morning, morning 23K. You obviously have the days that kind of it's harder to, to get up. Like I think this, this week I've done about 160Ks already. So I was a little bit tired this morning but i think it's once you once you get out there and i think for me trail trail running like i could never do that on the road whereas like on the trails in the mountains the terrain well, is always what, changing what's that? It's too too boring for you on the road it's just you are very like monotonous like yeah. it's a, like same same whereas on the trails are changing you're seeing animals like jumping know, over buffeters and when i'm in, in, likes the, it. in the u.s you're seeing bears and, and antarctica wait wait in in America, actually, yeah, I've Yo. been chased by a bear or two, and it's been chased. Yeah, I was actually stupid. I I saw him and I tried to like take a selfie with him in the background. The next minute, he started doing a, a mock charge, and I realized he didn't want a selfie, so I had to cruise off quite quite quickly. Um, you know, they were nuts that I was so <laughs> yeah. terrified. He did the jungle marathon once. Where's that? In what the, jungle? The Amazon jungle. I didn't so even know. You know, if be, anything happens there, you don't come out they, alive. With the rate that they chopping down the trees, that must be a 10k. Okay. Yeah. 
She's That's not, one of the yeah. best jokes I've made on the podcast. Come on, Neil. <laughs> no, seriously, if, if anything goes wrong there, they don't come out alive. You can't get them out alive. So, oh, what oh, are the dangers in the jungle run? That was is one it of like, the. But, um, like small things like a spider, or is it like a fucking jaguar or no. a barracuda? But first, a word from our sponsors. No, Jaguars, it was proper because it was one of those races again in my early days. I, I entered and the sport of trail running was also like relatively new and, and still You really still should growing. start Googling the yeah, races exactly. before you do them because you just <laughs> click enter and you buy and a plane ticket and next thing you know, you're getting to the starting line and you're saying to the organizers, what do you mean there's yeah. tigers here? No, the problem is the organizers, they like normally do a pre-race briefing and normally it's the organizer. But this time it was like 10 guys from the Brazilian army that came to do the race briefing just to tell us like basically everything in the jungle. And you were like, I wish I had diarrhea today. (laughs) (laughs) Something, something like that. But you got chased by like khaki bars. It's like, it's like seals with legs that that chase you like giant rodents. Basically, but they're this big. Yeah, a little bit bigger. And you're like going through like rivers and you got caiman, like the guys had cameras under the water um like at night what the crocodiles i'm assuming is the danger in the river yeah you get like those baby baby crocodiles but also so at night you sleep in in um hammocks yeah and i'd I'd take a water bottle to bed with me to pee in if you wanted to go because like you lie then as soon as it's dark they're just like eyes everywhere like looking looking at you what are the eyes jaguars just like everything, like I don't know, the jungle just comes comes alive. <laughs> even even like the the ants, like on the ground, if you like shine your headlamp down, it's like these like highways. But like the ants, everything's just like ten times. And if the a snake size. bites you there, there's yeah. no coming back. No, I can because they can't get you out fast enough. They can't. They can't. And they they can't airlift you because a helicopter. I'm assuming with the, yeah, all the trees. Yeah, so they need to get you out really. via boat. And they said like you've got two hours to live, and it's going to take you six hours six hours to get you out with the boat and then a two-hour helicopter but so you went, then so. did you at least win yeah i got, okay, I got, I got yes, it yes he did <laughs> win but yeah, you okay. know if he had because if you came second i would have i would have said not with <laughs> yeah so as a mother you do panic a bit yeah i was no. just gonna ask you i mean yo i mean at what pace can you run a race like that because there's so much terrain so i'm assuming it's not like four or five minutes a kilometer or is so it those races some of them you can um because mm. it's like a stage race so you run about 35 40 k's a day and then there's like one long stage of 80 k's so like the actual state the running's a lot faster whereas um like 100 mile it's a little bit slower and it also mm. depends on the elevation gain and also like you're saying like how technical mm. the trails are so like 100 mile 160 k's some of them are like 5,000 meters of elevation gain and like others are 12 or 13,000. And then, so then it ranges from like 12 hours to 30 hours. And also depends on, I guess, how you, how you're feeling. Sometimes you have a good day, sometimes you have a bad day and you have to have a power nap on the, on the trail for a couple of minutes Oof. if it's not going well. I don't know how the listeners are <laughs> feeling, but I'm getting tired. Don't you sometimes, Tony Frankie, just get tired just listening Do to you know, him? I'm, I, well, he inspires me that, I mean, my legs get tired even walking up a sand dune. But I think it's all relative. So like you're saying, what do you like, what I think about 
mentally. And I think for me, like I break a race down into bite-sized chunks. So like- mm. You're like it was, just to the top of the sand gym. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. I mean, if if I'm doing a hundred miles, it's like running 121K at a time and you do that eight times and, and you're finished. So it's <laughs> bite-sized chunks. Okay. <laughs> See, it's easy. Easy means it. You just have to change your mindset. So, okay, next up, Mont Blanc. So UTMB has become the, the biggest ultra trail race in the world. And I guess every elite athlete dreams of, of doing well here. And I've come here twice and kind of had every single dream and aspiration completely crushed. Not finishing uh, UTMB or having to drop out for me has been, been a low light of my career. To, to be honest, um, there was like a part of me that wanted to, to stop running. It just wasn't, wasn't fun anymore and definitely like knocked me properly to the ground. And I, th I think that that's why now I'm so like fearful for the race and I've got such a big mental block is that, um, yeah, there's just, I've got no good memories or no good, good experiences from the race. You're going back soon? Going back this year. So that's kind of the one big, big race. I've actually started four times and dropped out four times. How embarrassing, um, four times. Never finished. I just, what yeah. were the other three reasons? So so actually the last two times I tried to do it with poles. So like trekking poles, because a lot of the Europeans use poles. It's almost like the best oh, way so to it's describe. it's really like climbing. It's the reason. Yeah, like it's just very long and... climbs. Um, so it's like going to four by four mode. If you have poles, it's, mm. it's is more efficient. But those guys all come from skiing backgrounds where I've never used poles. So I battled. Clumsy. Yeah. And okay. I battled, my shoulder went out and then it went to my neck and getting spasms and stuff. But like, yeah, I'd, I think the race also has become, like mentally, I would say that's always been my strong point. But I think like Mont Blanc has become a bit of a kind of a mental a mental thing to to get over. So yeah, I've interviewed Chad Leclos. So Mont Blanc is like your your Michael Phelps exactly. <laughs> that you need to yeah so, something like that. Yeah, something I need to need to tick off. But I, I don't know. I think for me, a lot, a lot of people say like just call it quits, like and go maybe do like a race like Western States again that you know suits you. Like I think Mont Blanc, the terrain and stuff mm. doesn't suit me. But I think like. Like as my mom said, like being that that kid at a birthday party, like not 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 getting a present. Like I feel like I need it. I'm gonna he keep going back there. Doesn't have to win it. But I'll keep that prize in the car for him. You just want to finish, <laughs> finish it. I just want him to finish it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll keep keep going back until I until I get it right. But I think this this year is hopefully. I don't want him to drop dead, but I just want him to grow a bit and win it this time. <laughs> And how how long is is your lifespan still in this with running? Like how how long is a is there an expiry date for trail runners or not really? So the sports like evolved a lot the last couple of years, and so I'd probably like the latter part of of my career. But is there a seniors division at least that you can enter? I think yeah, I think there is like the grandmasters section, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'll keep keep going there. No, like I I enjoy being out the mountain, so I think I'll like I'll always be out there and, and do stuff, and that's why like more recently I have started doing more kind of projects because like I've done a lot of a lot of racing, and I, I've again with trail running, I enjoy mixing it up. So I've mm. done like runs in the desert, runs up mountains, um, yeah. 
So now doing like more more projects, so it's like longer multi-day runs, and that's like quite a big like mental challenge. Um, mm. So it's like I guess just continuously evolving. But to to answer your question, I actually had a stress fracture last year in my my pelvis, uh, Reno. Um, yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, it was from running. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, did, did a run around Lesotho and yeah, I kind of finished off or kind of when I finished, I had a stress fracture. So I couldn't do the Mont Blanc, but I couldn't run for four four months. But that was actually, it was like a good good reset for me. Um, I actually remember seeing Kone Kricher, um when I was injured and he said like, you remember towards the end of his career, he had like a, a serious injury and he said it was actually like really good at just kind of, prolonged his career because you kind of don't do something for a while and you actually realize like hold on this is actually pretty pretty cool so yeah i think i've got yeah hopefully another three or four years or so of, of racing no, but he's also at that stage where he can give back a bit as well yeah you know he yeah. does a lot of good stuff and that makes me feel good i think he i wish he would do more for animals but he does a lot of sort of giving <laughs> back these days well, Tony, I want to congratulate you on... Actually, no. Um, you know, people always say that. You, you congratulate the mother on the son. Ryan, I want to congratulate you on your mother. He chose thank me. You. Yes. I want to congratulate yeah. you on a wonderful mother. And, you know, you thank should you. always thank your mother because it might she might be the reason that you feel the need to, to run, run up mountains <laughs> for hours <laughs> at a time. You know, Trust me, the feeling's mutual. After an 18-hour labor, <laughs> I was ready to yes. give him back. I wouldn't you even were ready look to at run the Himalayas. Yes. I wouldn't even look at him for the first three days. You and then I fell in love and that was it. <clears throat> yeah. For the first three days. I After really that labor, like you were like, I'd rather run across the Arctic and win. <laughs> Absolutely. Rather run through the jungle. It was a bad experience. I was too young to have kids too. No. Yeah. So thank you for chatting to me today, guys. This was so nice. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. And good luck with the Mont Blanc. Thank you. I'll, I'll try. Wants it. Yeah, I'll, I'll grow a set and but try mommy get wants, the finish. Mommy gets. She's gonna grow a pair and at least finish. Yeah. <laughs> she. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> why calling me she? No, I said he, didn't I? <laughs> no, so you said she's gonna <laughs> grow a pair. She's gonna finish. That's Sophie's kicking in. Mensa, I hope you've enjoyed our chat with Ryan and Tani Frankie. And look, if you're ever feeling that life is hard and you are struggling to do something, just think of Ryan, freezing, hungry, exhausted and suffering, being chased by a bear or a dussy with rabies somewhere in the mountain. Then put your feet up on the couch with a glass of wine and smile, just thinking, that could be me. You'll feel better, I promise. Lastly, Mensa, I need two things from you. First, we'll be doing a Q&A episode after this season. So if you've got any questions for me, the producers, or our guests, send them through to skulk at telltale.media. Lastly, we want to know something more about you, our faithful listeners. So tell us more about yourself and stand a chance to win some awesome merch. Go to telltale.media forward slash survey and fill out the little form. Like I mean, so that's it. I'll catch you next week for another chat with another Tani. <laughs> Lastly, we want to know, I'm going to say that again, skulk at tell. Why? I mean, so the producers of this podcast have the hardest name. Why couldn't they just call themselves the podcast company or media podcast or what the fuck is Telltale? Skulk at Tile. I can't say it. Tell.
tale. Like, let me tell you a tale. That's obviously where the name comes from, but you need to reconsider the name, Neil. Telltale.media.